On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we close down the AFC South with another very exciting team, the Indianapolis Colts. What the hell is up with Carson Wentz? Is this guy ever going to return to his 2017 MVP type form? Or is he a shot fighter? Maybe it was just Philadelphia. Maybe a city like Indianapolis can bring that confidence back up. And then we got the big boy, JT. Jonathan Taylor going as a mid first round pick in this year's redrafts. Should you be taking him this high or is he slightly overvalued? And the most interesting part, in my opinion, which of these wideouts is ready to take over and seize the wide receiver one role on this team? All of these questions will be answered and much, much more. And it all starts right now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Monday, July 26th. I am your host, Anthony Germain. You can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word, on Twitter. On today's episode, we finally close out the AFC South with one of the more balanced teams in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. Not too many moves during the offseason in terms of volume, most of the changes or upgrades have come on the defensive side of the ball, but we should start with one major coaching change on the offensive side since that may affect our expectations from certain players. New coaches can sometimes mean new schemes, which may limit or expand someone's output that we may not be used to. With the departure of Nick Sariani, the team promoted from within Marcus Brady to be the offensive coordinator. Brady was the offensive coordinator of a little team called the Toronto Agronauts in the Canadian Football League. Shortly after, he joined the Colts coaching staff as the quarterback coach in 2018. But good news, this will still be Frank Reich's offense. There's no doubt about it. So we don't have to worry about too much changing. Since Reich joined the Colts in 2018, the team has put a greater emphasis on running the football behind one of the league's best offensive lines. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo retires, but the team did replace him with Eric Fisher from Kansas City, who's coming off an Achilles injury and has had an underwhelming career throughout. This isn't a great signing in my opinion. An Achilles injury is never good, especially when it's from a big man who needs to be quick on his feet. And if Andy Reid can't fix you, who's known to have great offensive lines throughout his entire career, he usually had a great offensive line with the Philadelphia Eagles for all his time spent there. He's usually had a pretty good offensive line with the Kansas City Chiefs. So if Andy Reid can't fix you, I'm not sure there's much hope left for Fisher. Left guard Quinton Nelson continues to dominate. And I don't use that word lightly. He's an absolute mauler and may just be the best offensive line in the league across the board. Not just guard, not just tackle or center. The best offensive lineman in the league. He's ranked out as a top three guard in each of his three NFL seasons and can make every block in the run game, and each year gets better and better in pass protection. He is the absolute total package you're looking for. 
The offensive line comes in as the league's second best, just below the Cleveland Browns, according to Pro Football Focus, which is obviously great news for everyone involved in the offense, the quarterback, the wide receivers, and the running backs. The team also traded a potential first-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles to what seems to be a fading Carson Wentz. So let's start there. Because a reunion with coach Frank Reich has many thinking that we may see Wentz return to MVP form that he showed during the Eagles' 2017 Super Bowl run. When Wentz last played in Reich's offense, he delivered 29 passing touchdowns, which led all quarterbacks through the 13 weeks before he went down with that season-ending ACL injury. And we all know the story. We all know what happened next. Backup Nick Foles comes in, leads the team to its very first Super Bowl win in franchise history, and everything has changed. And boy, has it changed quickly. We haven't seen anything, anything remotely close to that MVP Wentz we saw in that 2017 season. He has been a complete shell of himself and seems to have lost all confidence. The relentless Philadelphia media hounded like usual and ran the quarterback out of town coming from a small town in north dakota it seemed like an odd fit for wentz from the start so a change of scenery to a city like indianapolis may be good for the quarterback less pressure to succeed might boost his confidence therefore bringing him back into the upper echelon level of quarterbacks but even though i had lofty expectations for wentz I may have had a coming to light after digging a bit deeper here. The offense's main focus was predicated on Wentz's big arm hitting deep balls, which barely resembles what Reich has done in the past three seasons with the Colts. Indy's offense has been more of a neutral attack than the amount of times the Eagles threw the ball, but at the same time, one can argue that this could actually help Wentz gain his confidence back. If he doesn't have to play the Superman role, the team shouldn't be asking him to do much. Relying on the strong rushing attack should relieve the pressure and allow him to dink and dunk, opening up those opportunities to take the shot down the field when called upon. So his current ADP sits as a late 12th round pick as the quarterback 19 to come off the board. Last season, Wentz finished as the quarterback 22 overall, just above Drew Locke, who also had a terrible season. So we're drafting him to be our backup quarterback slash QB2, which I think is right. At first, I was sold on Wentz as a backup quarterback with potential to get back to that MVP form. But after researching more and digging deeper and how the Colts offense actually operates, I'm not so sure he would be my first attempt at a QB2. I think there's better options available at the quarterback two. I think there's guys with higher upside like a Trey Lance, like a Trevor Lawrence as your QB2. It's not that Wentz is a bad option. I just think the ceiling only goes so high and it's much more risky. But one component that Reich has stuck with since his time in Philadelphia is the sheer volume of plays. The Colts have only run two plays less per game than the Eagles have on average. The more plays, the better for our fantasy teams, making the Colts another great team to scoop as many of them as we can. So let's start with the biggest and the baddest of them. The first round pick from the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor, running back. He's a big boy. He is the man. 
even with his slow start to last year, Taylor finished as the RB6 in 2020, having a phenomenal rookie campaign with 1,468 all-purpose yards and 12 touchdowns. Now, obviously, much of that was amplified once Marlon Mack went down, forcing Taylor to take over a more dominant role. As much as I love JT, and I do love me some JT, I think his current ADP as a mid-first-round pick is slightly overvalued, which is why I have him ranked as my eighth overall running back going into this season. But don't get too crazy. Don't buy into the JP fear. I know Marlon Mack is back in the fold, and he's expected to take some carries away, but this guy is coming off an Achilles tear. That's sometimes a death sentence, especially for a skill position like a running back. Even if they are back to top speed, a lot of times these guys lose the explosiveness and ability to cut like they once used to. I'm extremely low on Marlon Mack, and the naysayers will tell you to stay away from Jonathan Taylor in the first round, but I'm throwing the flag. I don't think he should be selected ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, CMC, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, or even Najee Harris. But that doesn't mean he doesn't belong in the first round. He finished the season strong, which if you've been listening to this podcast is a great indicator for what's to come the following season with especially young players. His 461 rushing yards after contact from week 10 through the end of the regular season ranked third in the NFL only behind Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. So Taylor is an absolute freak. He's everything you're looking for to be a true bell cow. His measurables are off the charts. He crushed it at the college level, averaging over 2,000 rushing yards per season and 55 touchdowns within the three seasons he played for the Wisconsin Badgers. Don't lose sight of what he's meant to be, and we only got a tiny taste last season of what's to come. So go get yourself some JTT. Now, there is one more running back on this team that should cause you some pause when drafting Jonathan Taylor, and it's not Marlon Mack. The running back you should all be slightly afraid of is Naheem Hines. His current ADP sits as a late 10th round pick, and he is the passing down back. Hines was targeted 37 more times in the passing game than Jonathan Taylor. Hines finished as the RB20 ahead of guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Miles Sanders, who are both going much higher in the second round. Hines makes for a solid flex option, but he's not somebody that's gonna, going to suddenly boom or win you your leagues with a breakout. With Jonathan Taylor being the guy, the horse in the backfield, he's limited to what he can actually do. Speaking of passing downs, let's move on to the wide receiver core here in Indy. I think some people are high on Michael Pittman, and it's not that I don't like him, but let's start with the OG, the aging veteran that returns for his 10th season with the Colts, Mr. T.Y. Hilton. Price is cheap as a late 12th round pick, but T.Y.'s days are clearly behind him. He's done. He's on the other side of the hill. He's going down. He didn't score a touchdown until week 12, where he then went on to finish the last six weeks strong. Yes, T.Y. finished strong. But isn't that your indicator for what's to come the next season? T.Y.'s old. There isn't any more indicators for T.Y. He's been in the league for 10 years. The indicator to follow up with a strong season is for younger players. 
younger players that are still trying to prove themselves. And with unproven wideouts like Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell ready to pop off and blossom, don't waste your time by trying to play it safe with T.Y. Hilton. Safe doesn't win leagues. Potential wins leagues. And the T.Y. well has run dry. There's no more potential in the well. So stop. It's over. He's a household name. I get it. But all good things come to an end, right? Don't draft celebrities in fantasy football. Don't draft T.Y. Hilton because his name is T.Y. Hilton in the 12th round and you don't know what to do. You should be drafting guys in the 12th round that have full potential to boom and become a wide receiver two, to become a wide receiver three. Not guys with zero potential that are going to give you a minimum effort. You know what you're going to get with T.Y. You're probably going to get a few missed games in there as well. Don't waste your time. Michael Pittman. The thing with the Colts offense is that the wide receiver one is up for grabs. And Pittman is in the running to potentially seize that role. He was selected at the top of the second round in the 2020 NFL Draft. He had a couple good games that showcased what he's capable of, including a career high in targets during their wild card game against the Buffalo Bills. He had nine targets that game and went for 90 yards. That should boost the young player's confidence as we head into the 2021 season. That's the indicator we're looking for. Strong finishes to the years for young players are always good indicators of what's to come. But even though I do like the potential here, I think he's popular and it's easy to get sucked into somebody like Pittman. I'm still very skeptical of Pac-12 players and their general lack of grit. And I know that doesn't sound fair, but I'm most likely going to pass on Pittman. I know I'm in the minority here, but I'm going to pass on Pittman and I'm going to roll the dice on another guy who we might have all forgotten about. He's a wide receiver from Ohio State and is slated in to start on the other end of Pittman. Sleeper alert. I hope everybody is paying attention. This is one of my biggest sleepers of the year. He's going three rounds later than Michael Pittman with a current ADP as a late 13th round pick. He has more potential to take over the wide receiver one position here. Like I said, it's up for grabs. This is the guy. And the guy I'm talking about is Paris Campbell. Here's the guy we want to keep a close eye on. He's the guy we want to target. The signs are all there. The more you dig, the more treasure we find. And I think we just struck gold. Before Campbell's injury, he looked like he was on the cusp of a second year breakout. He had six catches for 71 yards with Phillip Rivers throwing him the rock in week one before going down with the season-ending injury. Now, I know there's not that much substance there to make a valid argument of Campbell taking over wide receiver one duties. But don't forget, he was also a second-round pick like Pittman in the 2019 draft coming out of Ohio State, which is another school that has put out fairly good wide receiver talent as of late. Michael Thomas, ever heard of him? Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin was also drafted in the 2019 draft and went in the third round. Paris Campbell was taken one round earlier, and we forgot about this guy. I really think we forgot about this guy. And he's not too small. He's not too big. He's six foot, 205 pounds, which qualifies for my sweet spot. Remember, I like my wide receivers between six foot and six foot three. Everything else, too tall. Everything else, too small. Michael Pittman is six foot four. He's slightly taller than what you want your wide receiver to be. I don't think it's that bad to be one inch over my sweet spot, but you know, he, you know, he's still a little taller. 
Campbell just hasn't had his moment to shine yet, and he might be primed to finally break out. Don't forget, his rookie situation was one of the worst in the season. Andrew Luck abruptly retired, and they were forced to roll with Jacoby Brissett. This is the guy I'm buying, because he has potential to seize the wide receiver one on the team, and we're getting him for nothing. Again, fantasy is about the value. Always draft for value and upside and potential. Who is set up the most to succeed? We know about Pittman, and he's not a bad pick. A late 10th round pick isn't bad, but I think this guy has more talent, and he's going three rounds later. This is how you win fantasy football. Don't waste your time with the T.Y. Hiltons or take a hot trend like Michael Pittman. Take the guy that you can get for nothing that has the most potential out of every single person on that team, and that's Paris Campbell. All right. And last, we got to hit up on these tight ends. So there's two tight ends on fantasy radars that we should be looking at. That's Mo Alley Cox, who's going undrafted in most leagues. And then we have Jack Doyle, who seems like he's been in the league for 25 years, who is also going undrafted in most standard half point PPR 10 to 12 man fantasy leagues. Jack Doyle doesn't really do it for me. He's boring. We've heard for years about the potential of Jack Doyle breaking out year in and year out. Now that he's getting older, I think he's starting to fade away. Thank God. The most interesting tight end that we should all be thinking about and all considering drafting, if you wait late on a tight end, if you're not getting Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, or uh, George Kittle, and we're waiting on these tight ends, Mo Cox is a great one to wait on. He's six foot five, 267 pounds, former VCU basketball star. We've seen former basketball players succeed at the NFL level. His arm length is in the 99 percentile, so he's rangy. A lot of times when I'm looking for a sleeper tight end, I like to know how long their arms are. How much range do they have? What's their wingspan? That's why I love Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida. This man's wingspan is over seven feet tall. Mo Ali Cox wingspan, long. Trey Burton is out of the picture now, so they're not going to have this three tight end rotation system. Mo Ali Cox should be more involved as well due to the unproven group of wide receivers rounding out the team's depth. There's major sleeper potential here with Ali Cox. Also with the new quarterback, Carson Wentz. We've all seen what Wentz has done with tight end Zach Ertz in Philadelphia or even tight end Dallas Goddard. When the play breaks down and Wentz starts scrambling around, the first person he's going to look to dump it down to is the tight end. And I just think the most athletic one, the one with the most potential is Mo Cox. I think it's worth taking that chance on Cox just based off Wentz's history with tight ends, but we're not going to take him to be our tight end one. We're going to add him in there to be a tight end two a sit and wait stash on the bench and you kind of just hope that Wentz is a tight end guy so yeah if you're late in your draft you still have to get your kicker you still have to get a defense you could probably start thinking about drafting Mo Cox there if nobody else is on the board that you're interested in well that's our show for today just to review real quick I like Carson Wentz as a QB too but I'm not expecting him to return to MVP form I think they're going to stick to what they do best, which is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, which should open up opportunity for Wentz to take his shot. But I'm not ready to declare his return to MVP form in 2017. Would it surprise me? No, just because that seems to be the luck of Philadelphia. Once they get rid of a player, they seem to thrive no matter where they go. 
So I do think Wentz is a nice gamble as your backup quarterback QB2. Jonathan Taylor, I love me some JTT, but he's going a little early in my opinion. He's going to have Marlon Mack chewing in. He's going to have the bigger threat, Naheem Hines, chewing in on passing downs. I'm not worried about Marlon Mack. He's coming off an Achilles injury. He's a fading running back. He's not going to suddenly get better than what we've seen already. Jonathan Taylor is the guy. He comes from Wisconsin, three years of averaging 2,000 rushing yards. He's been talked about for years before he came to NFL. He's the guy. He's an absolute freak. Naheem Hines, a nice, solid player, but safe. Remember, safe doesn't win fantasy championships. Potential does. But keep in mind that Hines did finish again as the RB20 ahead of guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Miles Sanders. If you want to take Hines as a late 10th round pick, I have no problem with that at all. I think he is slightly better than a plug-and-play. Somebody you can plug in on a bye week. He is worthy of a flex start week in and week out. So don't be afraid to go out and grab Naheem Himes, but stay away from Marlon Mack and stay away from T.Y. Hilton. He's the name. He's the celebrity. Don't just draft him in the 12th round because his name's T.Y. Hilton. He's old. His best years are behind him. There are other guys on this team like a Michael Pittman and my favorite sleeper of the year, Paris Campbell, who have so much more potential, so much more to prove than T.Y. Hilton. I think Pittman is a solid get as well. I just think because he's popular, somebody in your league is 100% going to reach for him earlier than this 10th round ADP. Just don't let that person be you. It's not that you'll be upset with Pittman. I just think there's more upside and value to Paris Campbell. His measurables are better. He too was a second round pick. He comes from Ohio State, not USC. Ohio State players have more grit. They play in cold weather. They're not pampered on the West Coast. The guys on the East Coast care more. I hate to say it. It's true. I lived in California for 10 years. It's not as hard. So why take Pittman three rounds earlier or possibly four or five rounds earlier because somebody's most likely going to reach for him when you can get Paris Campbell as a late 13th? He's the sleeper. He's my biggest sleeper of the year. This is the definition of a true sleeper. It doesn't get any better than a late 13th round pick. Some idiot in your league is going to have a kicker by this point. Think about that. Somebody is going to draft Justin Tucker before Paris Campbell comes off the board. Think about that. And this guy has potential to be the wide receiver number one on the Colts. Think about that. Definition of a sleeper. Six foot, 205 pounds. That's the sweet spot. Go get Paris Campbell. And finally, my favorite tight end on the team is Mo Alley Cox. He's clearly the most athletic. He's the youngest. He's got a huge wingspan and really long arms. So he's rangy. Trey Burton, the Philly Philly special guy, he's out of the picture. And we got a taste of what Mo Alley Cox could do last year. But with this year, there should be more opportunity since the wide receiving group is unproven. And Carson Wentz has a history at making tight ends excel. So Molly Cox is also great value, but I'm not drafting him to be my tight end one. He's a tight end two with potential to become a tight end one. Again, it's all about value and potential. And the two guys with the best value are Paris Campbell and Molly Cox. So go get them. Well, that's our show for today as we conclude the AFC South with the Indianapolis Colts. 
I hope everyone enjoyed this show. I hope everybody's Monday is going as well as it can. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new division, the last division in the AFC. That would be the AFC West. We'll be breaking down the Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Denver Broncos all week long. You won't want to miss it. But until then, I will talk to you tomorrow. And go get your mocks on. Peace.